tonight has been nothing but beautiful. But before we get into it, oh, I hear that. Hey, let the heavens open. Okay. I'm I'm normally like really hyper. Let me sorry. I'm normally really hyper. During worship, I was just the Lord was stilling my heart. I'm normally just like especially because my mom is like that. She just talks like OD fast. She's like on the go. Um, and before we get into it, I'm going to keep it a buck. This sermon is about obedience. And I want to prepare your guys' heart to receive the word. Because I think I have left, come in and left church too many times with a lot of feelings and no direction. So there's been a lot of times where I get so hype and I get so lit off of the fact that God got a promise for me. He has a promise for me. And the fact that I had to obey to that literally terrified me. So tonight, you're probably not going to hear a lot of you need to do this and you need to do that for me. But while I'm giving the, reading the word of God, God is going to tug on your heart personally to specific things that you need to just let go of, specific things that you need to surrender. And I'm telling you this because a lot of the times we can feel this condemnation where God is judging us and God is calling us out in a bad way. But I'm sharing this with you because it's not, he's not condemning you, he's convicting you. And they're two different things. God's correcting you and talking to your heart because he loves you and he wants to protect you. So when we go into tonight, I don't want you to go into it thinking in a way that is going to pull you further away from God. So receive this with the truth that he is your champion and that he's going to fight on your behalf. All right? So that's what I wanted to go into you guys with because I, I tell you I've left church I'm saying this so personally and so heavy because I've left church one too many times, hearing a good word but leaving the same. So tonight you're going to hear some things from God. You're going to hear new direction from God and don't let it scare you. I want you to cling to that like you've never clinged on, clinged on, clinged to it before. All right. So we're going to take a few minutes to worship really quick. We're just going to sing out that bridge one more time. Because there is something that the bridge says. It says, when I lift my voice and shout, every wall comes crashing down. And we kind of think that every wall is the thing in front of us. But in reality, it's the thing inside of us. There's a lot of walls that we've built up against God that have stopped us from reaching out to him. And tonight as we sing this, you can stay sitting. Just bow your heads and you can sit in the silence of just allowing your heart to obey God. Because there's no one who loves you more than him. So we're just going to sing it out one more time. And just let it hit you. You don't have to go crazy. This is just a moment where you can spend time with God. All right? So just bow your head closed your eyes before you say anything. Just bow your head closed your eyes. Thank you, Jesus.
Father God, right now, we just pray in this moment. May our heart be ready to obey. Before we even heard the word, before we even heard scripture, may our heart just be in a posture to obey. May tonight be centered around you. May tonight be centered around your spirit. May tonight be centered around your command. May tonight be centered around our obedience towards you, Lord. Tonight is just going to be a night of surrender in every shape and every, in every aspect. So we just thank you in advance from setting us free from ourselves, a lot of things that are within us. So my God, we just thank you. We just thank you for your love and we thank you for your grace. May your love fill this room and may conviction fill this room. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm excited. <laughs> so last week we talked about, are we there yet? Where are you? And that's very important. I'm really not going to be hyper today because this is going to be a word that hits you right in the heart. And I don't really have to do much. This is God. So it's okay if you don't say amen tonight. It's okay if you don't scream. It's okay if you don't holler. If you have a moment with God, that's enough. Okay. But last week was, are you there? Are we there yet? Where am I? It's kind of us figuring out where am I physically, spiritually, emotionally, where am I? That was where we go home, we look in the mirror, we look at ourselves. Am I doing okay? Like, am I okay the way that I tell my friends I'm doing okay? Am I, am I really okay with how I tell my mom I'm okay? Am I really good? Like, am I really the person that I tell people that I am? That was just a moment of self-reflection. Have I forgiven the people I need to forgive? Is my heart full of, full of shame? What is my heart filled of? If you haven't taken time, if you've been too scared to look in the mirror, I encourage you tonight is going to be the night where it gives you a little bit more courage. That's why we do it in that order. Because if you don't look in the mirror and self-evaluate first, then when God starts to tell you to let things go, you're like, oh, no, thank you. <laughs> I'm good. I'm secure with where I am. But in reality, you have to self-evaluate. I'm not okay where I am. So when God tells me to do something, I need to do it because I'm not okay here. So last week was just an awesome word of God telling us, this is, this is where you are, and that's okay. And this week, we're just going to learn a, bit, a little bit about where are we going. That's the title. If y'all are taking notes, take your notes. Take your notes out. Show me them. If it's paper, show me it's paper. If it's your phone, show me it's your phone. Can y'all wave your notes to me real quick? Wave it. Holla. I, uh, we, got, we got phone note takers. We like those. Um, they everywhere you go. You're like, what up? <laughs> I got notes for you. You like it. It's nice. Um, so that's the title of tonight's talk. It's Are We There Yet? And also, tonight we're just going to hear God's word, and we're going to hear what he has to say. And there was, like Eli talked about, the sermon on Sunday is called Sweet and Sour. And it was something that the pastor said this, this Sunday. If y'all don't go to Sunday service, I need y'all to go to Sunday service. But he said something that I'm going to repeat to you because it, <clears throat> that means it hit me. It knocked the wind out of me, and I was like, <laughs> all right, pastor, thank you. <laughs> I'll take it. So basically what he has said was, it says, when you leave the word of God, our first instinct, our first instinct is to be guided by your, our feelings. Let me tell you, in my life, all through middle school, high school, I went through like a whole-fledged season where I called guided by my feelings. I was a whole-fledged season, just middle school, high school. 
wherever the wind took me, I was just going. I was, I was like a leaf blown by the wind. That was me. By my feelings, I was going left, right. A guy told me he liked me. I was like, oh, I'm going to go. He could do And then my friends were going that way. So I was like, I'm definitely going to go over here. I was going where everybody else was going. That was kind of my stance in life. I didn't have a firm foundation. I was just going where the wind took me. Can we not be that generation? I'm saying that from somebody who was that in middle school and high school. Senior year was the year was I was like, I'm done. Don't wait till senior year. Let me tell you, my whole middle school and high school experience could have just been different if I didn't wait till senior year. So don't wait till your senior. I'm telling you from the perspective where I wish I would have had somebody to tell me, don't be guided by your feelings and don't go where the wind sends you. So tonight, cling to the word of God. Not the words of Giselle, because I barely got words for myself. <laughs> cling to the word of God tonight and allow his word to captivate your heart and cling to that and continue to cling to it. This is the everyday thing. So let's get to it. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to read the word of God. Ready? Okay, let's pray. All right, everybody, close your eyes. <laughs> Father God, we just come before you, and we just thank you for this beautiful service that's been happening thus far. We thank you just for your presence in this room. Lord, we lay down everything that's been going on in our week. We lay down all the feelings that we are feeling, Lord, and we are ready to obey and just hear your word. So we just thank you, and we thank you for this word. Lord, I just pray that this is none of me and all of you, that you empty me, and this is all of you. I'm just an open door, Lord, so that your children can hear your word, so that they can hear your love and they can hear your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're preaching about Abraham. That sounds kind of weird, right? It's not Abraham. Don't get it twisted. It is Abraham, but it was like pre-Jesus, you know? God changed his whole name. He was like, now you're Abraham. But at this time in the Bible, his name was Abraham, right? So we're going to talk about that type. So let me tell you a little bit about him. Just really two things. Uh, he has a wife named Sarah, and she couldn't bear children. That's all I'm going to leave you with right there for you. And he was a father of faith. But that's the Abraham, you know? Okay. So I'm going to read Genesis 12, 1 to 3. Y'all can look at it in back or have it on your Bibles. It says, Then the Lord has said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on the earth will be blessed through you. Y'all, all I read there was promises. Y'all heard that? It was like all verse 2 and 3 were just promises. A lot of the times, just in the scripture, it proves to you before there was a promise, there was instruction. So right before the verses of, I'm going to do this with you. You're going to go here. You're going to be. God says, go from your country. Go from your people and go from your father's household. There was instruction there. Let me tell you how many times I got so excited over a promise or a word that God had given me. And I just ran. I was like, God just done told me that he's going to bring me a present. He's going to bring me with a bone wrapped. I don't know what that means, but God said it. I was so excited because God had given me a promise. 
And I completely, let me tell you when I say I completely, this was all middle school and high school, I would completely look at God, look at the promise, and completely ignore all the instruction. He'd be like, hey, it's not the right time for you to be talking to any guys. God, I'm good. Like, I'm talking to someone right now. We're good. Like, I got it. Like, I, I got it. And he says, you're not supposed to be with those friends right now. I'm like, God, I'm bringing them to Jesus. I just, when I tell you I would have, I, but God, I got you. I got you. So when I tell you I would hear promises from God, get so excited, but then I would completely ignore instruction, that was me. And I don't want us to be that generation. Where we hear the promise of God and that's all we hear, we completely ignore what, the, what God is trying to lead us to and from. Because it says go from. So God isn't just trying to take you somewhere, but he's trying to let you go of some things. He wants you to let go of some things. And there's something he needs to deliver you from. So the first thing, when I was reading this, I was like, blah, blah, blah. why you said his country? Why you said his people? And why did you say his father's household? Why? And in this context, country represents identity. That represents what you eat, what you wear, what you listen to what you believe, what you do, just who you are. That's what country represents. So my question is, what are you allowing to be poured into you? Maybe you're listening to something. Maybe you're eating something. And when I say eating something, I don't mean physically. Spiritually, what are you eating? Just those are questions to ask yourself. What are you allowing to be poured into you? And now let me tell you why I asked that question. Because your identity, it consists of what is poured into you. You walk around as someone that you're like, I'm good though. Like, I'm good. But like, are you really? Take a moment and really pause and ask yourself, what am I pouring into myself? And not only because it taints your identity, but just it taints how you talk, how you walk, what you do, how you talk to other people. Here's something that's very controversial. It doesn't matter how people see you. Because in a world, it's like, only God could judge me. But we walk out into the world and we represent Christ. This isn't a baby message and I'm so sorry, but you walk outside into the world and you represent Christ. Now let me tell you, Abraham, his country was a nation that worshiped false idols. It says in Joshua 24 too, it says, Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah and his father Abraham and Norhar, lived beyond the Urarites river and worshiped other gods. This is telling me that Abraham is just around people who worship idols. This is what he's surrounded by. This is what his identity is. So what are you allowing to be around your identity? God is taking Abram out. He's trying to take you out of what you've claimed your identity to be. 
You're living in a false identity when you just feed yourself things of the world. The only identity that is true is the one that God has for you. There's, the world can try to give you so many identities. Your flesh can just give you an identity. But God is the only one that has your true identity. He formed you before you, he formed you in the dark where nobody saw you. It was just you and him. And he was like, she's, she's going to talk like this. She's going to walk like this. His eyes are going to look like this. He's going to love this. He's going to be passionate about this. And then when we try to create our own identity, now we're just passionate about different things. We're talking about different things. Our heart, our flesh longs for one thing while our spirit's longing for another. God has an identity specifically made for you. Y'all ever like walk into a room and just feel like you're alone? Like there's OD people. And you're just like, I don't feel like I'm with people. But that's because you're not even with yourself. You're completely just ripped in two. And it's not because nobody loves you. It's not because people aren't around you. It's simply because you haven't met God or yourself. So there, there's a false identity when we just intake whatever, when we, when we just, when we go with whatever, when we stay in our country, when we stay in our false identity, God's trying to call you out of that because he loves you and he just wants to see you full in what he created you to be. So the second, the first thing is that I'm on my way to look like Christ. That's all, that's all I want to do. I'm not here to be a better version of Giselle because that can only go so far. I mess up every day. I get tired every day. If it's up to me, we're going to have problems. You know what I'm saying? But if we lean on God, God is just going to be sharpening me every day. Every day. You shouldn't have talked to your mom like that. Oof. He's shaping me to be a better representation of him. Not even a version of him, but a representation. So just take that with you. I'm on my way to just look like Christ. That's what I'm, I'm a mess up every day. I'm not here to be a better version of me, but I'm on my way to look like Christ. The second thing that he tells him to get rid of, he says, I need you to go from your people. What does people represent? It represents familiarity. It represents comfort. So when you walk, you know, you know, you know, when you walk into school, you just know, you know people. It's easy as K. You're just walking into school. Uh, I mean, you always have someone to talk to. Always. It's familiar. It's comfortable. And my biggest thing is there's no need for the comforter when you're always comfortable. There's a lot of things like in, in the first one where just like leave your country. Like God is asking that of you. And you have to just give up. But then I'm known everywhere. So just understand that your comfort and you being familiar, that, that just takes a lot. Now, now I have to like walk in and introduce myself. What's up? You know, I'm so-and-so. It's just the deep of comfort. Have you ever walked into like your aunt's house? Like you know, like that's my aunt. 
we're comfortable like that. I can just walk into my aunt's house and we're all good. Like, I don't have to try there. So when God asks us to give up our comfort and our familiarity, now I'm just giving up a whole other side. Now I have, to, I have to fight my way through things. So God is asking us, hey, can you hand me your comfort? Can you, can you hand me your familiarity? But he's saying that so we can have comfort in him. So that we can have fullness in him. So whatever God's personally asking you, ask God, like, what, what makes me uncomfortable? If you, if you feel like, like, I'm not, I'm not feeling challenged. Do I know, can I, do I know what's going to happen in my day? If you know exactly what's going to happen in your day, you're comfortable. If you know exactly how your day is going to go, you are very comfortable. If you, if you feel like, I'm chill, I'm feeling chill. I know what to expect, then it's time to ask yourself, am I really walking in God's promise? God has a specific promise for each of you in this room. And if we're comfortable, we have to ask, am I I really walking in the promise of God? The next thing is he told him to leave his father's house, and this represents security. So for Abraham, it was his father, he gave him earthly security. So for Abraham, it was his father, but for what, what is it for us? What is that earthly security? Is it, is it a relationship? Is it an addiction? Is it you being known when you walk in every room? Is it, is it, is it how many likes you got on Instagram? It, what is it? What gives you security? What gives you earthly security? And God says, give me that security from being in your father's household because I want to give you heavenly security everlasting security that even if everyone leaves and you're alone you're gonna be okay you're gonna be made whole you're gonna be full and not because somebody stuck around but it's because your heavenly father who formed you gave you security so it's okay if everybody leaves it's okay if you don't if he didn't meet the ends meet he was okay with that this is what God's asking us to give up. That's that security, that earthly security. So that he can give us an everlasting security. That no matter what happens in life, who comes, who goes, it doesn't matter anything. But he's saying, if you just, just let that go, I can give you everlasting security. God offers that same peace to us. In John 14, 27, it says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. He gives you peace that the world can give and they can't take it away. So like I said, it doesn't matter who comes and who goes because God has given you an earthly security. I mean, a heavenly security. It doesn't matter who comes. It doesn't matter who goes. It doesn't matter what they did to you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter anything because God is saying, I've given you this peace because my son has overcome the world. So he's giving you that peace. You don't have to fight for it. You don't have to earn it. He's just saying, let go of that earthly and I'll give you that everlasting. So God asks Abraham to leave just everything. Why? It was because God knew there was these specific things were blocking him from his promise. They were were blocking him from his promise. So 
God, if he spoke to you, and there were specific things that your heart was knocking on, specific people, God was like, hey, can you let this go? It's because he's not trying to punish you. He's not judging you. He's saying, I need these things to move from first place in your heart. And I need them to go left because I need to be in the middle. And all of this is so that you can have everlasting security. So that you can have his comfort, not the world's comfort. When you look at it, he's protecting you. So that when you're on your way to your miracle, you don't lose yourself. And when you're on your way to the promised land, you don't lose bits and pieces of yourself because you're fighting. God is like, stand firm in the identity I want to give you. The comfort I want to give you. And the peace I want to give you. And that will give us the endurance to run the race. Finding ourselves in only God. So, this is my first point. <laughs> Where you're going, it doesn't take understanding. It just takes obedience. Because he did not tell him where he's going. He gave him no instruction. When I tell you he gave him no instructions, he was like, I'm going to take you to the promised land. Praise. It's crazy. It goes crazy. I told you. I'm going to read you this quote from a book that I read. It says, we shouldn't fear what our obedience will cause to happen in our life. We should only fear what disobedience will cause us to miss. There was like such a fear that I would have when God done told me to stop talking to guys. I was like, listen, but then they're going to they're gonna disappear. And like, uh, let me done tell you, the gifts that was around that just, that, that time with God, that eye contact with God, the gift was me meeting my identity. The gift was meeting my comforter, the Holy Spirit. The gift was me just having everlasting security that it doesn't matter who comes or who goes, but I'm standing with God. It doesn't matter if the wind blows left, I'm not, I'm not going left. I'm staying firm in the identity that God has called me to. It doesn't matter if it blows right. I'm standing firm in the comforter's comfort. It doesn't matter if it go, blows up or down because I'm going to stay firm in the security that God has set before me. So it does not matter. Just if you don't understand, obey. And I'm saying this out of the fear because I had so much fear before I obeyed God. So much fear that I was going to feel alone, that I was going to be hurt. But God just took my heart, healed it. It was a process of a lot of tears. But God is calling us to surrender whatever we need to surrender in obedience so that we don't miss the one thing that matters, and that's him. So after God gives him this instructions, Abraham does it. Abraham does it. And he goes. And this is in Genesis 12, 6 through 7. It says that Abraham traveled through the land as far as the site of the great Mora and Yah. I don't know how to read. <laughs> We're going to read it together. <laughs> and Shechem. Shechem. At the time the Canaanites were in the land, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So, build an, so he built an altar there to the Lord and he, prepared, he appeared to him. So pause. <laughs> Abraham, God calls Abraham to a land that was inhabited by other people. Can you imagine the audacity? 
not only other people, but by the Canaanites. And if we read Numbers 13, 8, it says, but the people who lived here were powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. And the next descendants, were, they were tall, they were big, and the Hebrew word for Anak is giant. They were basically like the enemy. The, the big, they were the big guns. They were big men. That's how you could call them. And they were... That, taking the land at that point seemed impossible. If God, if God tells me <laughs> to leave, uh, you know what I'm saying? I'm expecting for you to just take me to milk and honey. You know what I'm saying? I'm expecting you to just take me straight there. Now you want to take me to a land where my enemy is. That's kind of crazy because now I have to leave. You, to, you done told me it's not the right time to talk to that boy. So I stopped talking to him, but then I'm going to go to school and he's talking to another girl already. That's, that's nuts. That's how are you going to ask me to do something? And then when I get there and I've done it and I do it, now I'm in pain. Because the miracle sees impossible. How can you work in me now? Everything he said about me, that's kind of a lie. How, how are you going to ask me to just not be in my friend group anymore and then now I have to sit at lunch by myself? How are you going to ask me to do that? Because now the miracle that you've promised me of security, of it, the for this miracle that you promised, it no longer exists to me. So Abraham feels this, this pressure. I, I would say fear, disappointment, right? And what does he do? Because this can help us respond to when we, when we walk into the battlefield, where after we've literally let go of so much, and the miracle kind of seems impossible. What God kind of promised us seems impossible. And again, he doesn't even know what God promised him. He just said, I'm going to take you to a beautiful land. It's like a, a half, a half kind of knowledge thing. So if I was Abraham, I would have been like, oh, I'm going to go back to my comfort. All right. But that's, that's not what he did. It says in verse 7, it says that he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. An altar represents, it represents worship and it represents a covenant, which means promise. And in this sense, he gave more of himself to the Lord. So rather from retrieving and saying like, nah, you didn't, you didn't show up for me. You, you didn't do what I thought you were going to do. So I'm going to go back. He said, I'm going to remind myself that you are the Lord of all. I'm going to remind myself. That you are the one true living God. I'm going to remind myself that you are the God who gave me the promise. Because he was feeling a little bit of fear. He saw the Canaanites and he was like, I'm feeling a little bit of fear. And God said, I'm going to remind you of your promise. Your offspring, this is their land. So he reminded them, this is your land. This is for your offspring. And what did he do? He said, you're a living God. You're the one true living God. You're my God. So what am I going to do? I'm going to build an altar to remind myself. Not to remind you. But when we worship, we take time to remind ourselves who God is in our life. So worship is not you just, it's not for God. We praise him. But here's the truth. Worship is a position where we take time to remind ourselves who God is in our lives. Because there was one time I told God, I was like, God, I'm so sorry for not praising you. I'm so sorry for not jumping a little too extra today. And he was like, Giselle, you don't have to say sorry to me. The rocks will cry out. <laughs> Praise him. I was like, all right, I got, I got it. God doesn't need my praises. He wants it. So when I worship, it's not out of me. 
needs it because the rocks will do it. The sun will do it. The birds will do it. He doesn't need it. When I worship, I need, I need to worship. I don't have, I can't afford not to worship. Because when I forget to worship, my vision gets a little bit blurry. So I worship to remind myself who God is. And he is the one true living God. Who's going to give me comfort? Who's going to give me my true identity? And who's going to give me security? There's a verse, Philippians 1, 6, and it says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He won't leave you right where you are. There might be giants. There might be some Canaanites. Whatever your enemy is, whatever feels like the wall, he's not going to be like, you did great. Stay right there. He cares about you. And he's not going to leave you right there. He's not going to let you finish the race by yourself. But he's going to stay there whispering in your ear, I have, I have a promise for you. This land is for your offspring. This land is, this is for you. Your mom's going to get saved. Your sister's going to get saved. This is for you. I love you. So don't be afraid when the waves start crashing. When the wind starts blowing left, don't go left. When the wind starts blowing right, don't go, don't go right. Got to sing, stand firm in what I've told you. So stay, this is an encouragement. Stay firm, stay right there because he loves you. And he who started a good work in you will finish it. God will finish it. He's a man of his word, he's not human. He keeps his word. So whatever God has whispered to your ear, whatever promise rings in your heart, he will finish it. So, my second point is, where you're going, it might get rough. But just cling to him. Cling to him. Because he will finish what he started. And it didn't just finish when you raised your hand for salvation. It started there. It started from the moment you were born on this earth and he's not done with you. There's a promise over your life and it doesn't matter who comes or who goes. Nobody can take what God has given you. Another thing about the journey, about this journey of trusting God, let me tell you that everyone sees you. Your sister sees you. Your brother sees you. Your cousins see you. Your classmates see you. They see you. So this, this journey is not just about you, although... Abraham is going to be blessed. He's going to be blessed. He's going to be wealthy. But in Genesis 12, 3, he says, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And all the people in the earth will be blessed through you. God tells Abraham that he is going to be a blessing for everybody. It's through Abraham's lineage that Jesus Christ was born. Lineage means like this person gave birth to this person. So like say your great 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 grandma, that's like a part of your lineage. So Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, came through Abraham's lineage. 
The man, let me remind, the man where his, his wife cannot give birth to any children. So you don't tell me, Lord, that a miracle is going to come through my lineage, that a blessing is going to come through my lineage. My wife cannot have kids, but he still built an altar to remind himself of who God is. Not only were the Canaanites there, but his wife was not able to have kids. Jesus Christ came from his lineage. There's a miracle that sits in your heart that seems impossible. Maybe it's the name of that person who hasn't gotten saved. Maybe it's an illness in your family. Let me tell you that, that there is a blessing and a miracle. And it only takes our obedience. The people that you walk around, whenever you decide, that impacts them. Your obedience is not just for you. Your obedience and faithfulness to God affects, can affect generations. Generational patterns, generational curses in your life. When you say it stops with me, it stops with you. You can change generations. When you think about it in this way, every decision counts. Every decision you make counts. You're going to mess up along the way. Hello. But there's grace for that. But can we not be the generation that just goes with our feelings? Can we, can we just not be that generation? And may we cling to what God is saying. And that could be lo like low-key scary. <laughs> just like. God saying, like, every decision you make, like, like, impacts generations. That's kind of scary. But when you stay in eye contact with the Father, so many things can happen. And although it's kind of scary, like, I remember my dad was trying to teach me how to drive. Have you ever learned how to drive before? Maybe, like, you're, like, just driving seems terrifying. That's me, guys. Hi. Um, so I was driving with my dad one day. He was taking me to drive. And... I just got in the car and I was like, I didn't even worry about a thing. I was like, I'm just sitting here. We just go in, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just going to sit right here. My dad's going to tell me when to go, where to go. So I was just sitting in this car with full of trust. So I, was just, I just, when I tell you, I just went straight until my dad told me to turn right. That was what's happening. I was following every instruction that God, that my dad was telling me. He said, slow down. I slowed down. My ears were ready to listen to what my dad was saying. Because I just didn't know how to drive yet. But then now I see my sister drive, and I'm like, she's just, like, breaking, like, unconsciously. Like, she's, like, taking rights. And, yo, she's just, she's not crazy. She's, so, like, you get to a point when you learn how to drive where you're just like, no. But I was just in the car very conscious, very close to my dad, just listening, like, okay. And I would, I would just drive straight until he told me to stop or until he told me to turn right or left. And the crazy thing is I never was like, where do I turn? Where do I turn? Where do I turn? I just listened. And the crazy thing is he never let me reach a dead end. He would always tell me to turn right, right before I met a dead end. Where I was like, mm. <laughs> He's like, turn right here. And I was like, thank you. So my dad, I would just cling to what he would say. And then as you grow up and as you learn how to drive, you don't need to hear the instruction because now it's second nature. 
now I know where I need to go because I'm just that, I've practiced obeying. I've practiced listening to my dad. So since I practiced it, it didn't have to take that much effort. We need, we need to stay in eye contact with the Father in this same way. In, in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, it says, Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Where you're going, Jesus knows the way. You don't have to second guess it. You don't have to question him. He knows the way. Either way, he loves questions, so go ahead and ask him. But he knows where he's going. He knows where you're going. He knows your heart. He knows where he's taking you. There doesn't need to be fear there. When you're just clinging to the Father, when you're clinging to obedience, when you're clinging to his word, you don't need to fear. And let me tell you, obedience, there's so much fear when it comes to obedience because you don't know what happens next. You don't know which way the wind will blow. You know what I'm saying? So if you stand in the way where the wind blows, if you just stand in the fact that the people around you define who you are, or you stand in the fact that you have security from relationships or people, that's where I need to fear. If my faith and my hope is in man, like in just people, that's when I should fear. But if you cling to the comfort of the Holy Spirit, if you cling to his, his security, if you cling to the identity that he says out before you, we don't, we don't need to fear in that. There's a obedience that God is calling you personally to, everybody in this room. And like I said before, I just had so many times where I would come into church and I would leave and I would come in and I would leave and I would hear a word, I would feel a lot of feelings, I would feel like the Holy Spirit's talking to me and then I would leave, just staying in my same mistakes, staying in my same old habits. Can you allow some habits to stay here today? Can you allow conversations to happen after the service? Like these are tough questions to ask you. Like can you make decisions after the service and just cling to the Father, turn right, I'll turn right because that's what you said. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't know what you're telling me. I don't know why I'm turning right. I don't know why you're telling me to let them go, but I'm going to listen to you. I know that I'm trying to fix everything on my own, but I'm going to cling to you anyways. Can tonight be the night where bad habits stay in here? where you have conversations afterwards and say, hey, I'm not doing that anymore. Can that happen tonight for your life personally? Just by her because you're already there. Tonight, if you're in this room and you're like, I completely just need to give myself to God if you've never given your life to Christ before and you're like I need to let go I need to fall into his love I need to start spending daily time with God if I need his love if you need him tonight and you have not accepted him in your heart before 
I'm going to count on three and unashamed, unafraid, just boldly. This is a bold decision. This is a brave decision to say that no matter which way the wind blows, I'm going to stand firm and understand that he's the living and the one true God. So if you're in this room tonight and you're like, I want to give myself to God, you can raise your hand. Three, two, one.